Hello, and welcome to the Brewery FM podcast hosted by Scott Oakland and Usher. Just two techies separated by the Thunderdome, talking cloud, Daleks, and technology. I am Zarbox, and this is episode 29, recorded on the 27th of August, 2015. Yeah. Is that a Taylor Swift song? No, man. That's, oh, man. You got the hooch. Uh, who is that? I don't know. I have a lot of Taylor Swift songs stuck in my head. Uh, who got the hooch? Everything. That's what it is. If you say so. No? I'm not familiar with everything? <laughs> I know a lot about nothing. Wow. No, I'm not familiar with the hooch. Yeah. Well, it's a uh, it's a great song. I listen to it uh, at least once a decade. Um, so I've listened to it twice. I've got to wait till next right. decade to uh, pick it up and run with it again. It must be pretty good for you to listen to once a decade. Oh yeah, look at that. There it is. Yeah. Oof, oof. Yeah. No. Two thousand six. Yeah, no. Tried trying to forget about those years. Well, that was bef- that was before SharePoint came out. No, SharePoint was out in two thousand six, my friend. No, not the real SharePoint. Not the stuff that was built on MCMS and actually worked. Uh, actually, I think SharePoint two thousand six was released in October of two thousand six. SharePoint two thousand seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, SharePoint two thousand six, the hidden release. Yep. <laughs> um. So yeah, that uh, good song. Uh, speaking about releases, though, this week, dun dun dun, September is the new August, or August is the new August. Yeah, I guess. So yeah, yeah SharePoint Server twenty sixteen IT preview uh, came out. Who knew? Uh, they made it out the door. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with everything except that whole you know cloud search preview thing, which is still coming. Uh, really? Yeah. So that piece yep. is still, that, that piece is actually going to be released on September, whatever that Isaac's blog had. Yeah. Uh, well, we're still waiting for it. So, uh, you know, scripts are out on TechNet and, or not TechNet, Connect, I guess, kicking around, you know, for folks that signed up for that, whatever forum that, uh, we're not talking about right now. And uh, yeah, yeah, no, just just waiting for that little piece. But if people want to install SharePoint 2016, uh, they can absolutely go ahead and do that with all its brokenness and all the great things that it has to offer. Hmm. Durable link stand. Durable. Very cool. Yep. Uh, and I thought that uh, SharePoint 2013 had durable links. Oh, well. No, that had document IDs. Totally different. Yeah, totally sort of usable, but not really. Yeah, unless you wrote your own ID provider, which I'm sure everybody did. Mm. So, uh, you know, the question that John Liu put in, which is in regard to SharePoint Server 2016 IT preview being released, should the average person download and install the preview or wait for the Azure Farm template and spin one up there? Uh, What's your thought? So the average person should not download 
And I would also make the argument that the average person should never spin anything up from the Azure Farm templates since they are nigh upon useless and only get you to central admin anyway. Uh, So you're almost better off building the stuff by hand or going through some of the other uh, automation products that are out there if you don't want to build it yourself. Something like an auto SP installer, which uh, should have support for, or at least preliminary support for 2016 uh, soon enough. But, you know, I was never really happy with that initial work that was done because it kind of got released to GitHub and then died on the vine. Um, and now that it's been tied into the Azure ARM templates, it really hasn't gotten any love. It has a lot of, mm, let's call them concurrency problems when spinning things up and things break and go bad and everything else. So, uh, you know, it can be a little tough. Um, as of today, at least. Uh, so I think earlier this afternoon, uh, Bill Bear announced that they have put the 2016 IT preview image uh, in the Windows Azure gallery. So if people wanted to make use of that image through their own ARM templates, or they already had a DC and a SQL server sitting out there and they wanted a quick way to spin up a 2016 box as far as having the bits laid down on it, uh, that would be a great way to go about it. But they would have to run through those installation pieces themselves, whether that was the initial installation wizard or firing off the uh, bits of PowerShell and psconfig and everything else that need to happen to stand a farm up the first time. Everybody knows how to do that. Yeah, absolutely. It's well documented. Of course it is. It's SharePoint 2016. It's been out for, oh wait. Uh, You know, there's a forum on TechNet someplace. Totally help people out. Yeah, I guess uh, my personal thought on all of it is wait. Um, It's preview bits. Uh, If it's anything like Apple, it's probably not all that baked through yet. Uh, but further, I think uh, the problem that folks are going to run into is more, you know, we're all still trying to acclimate as to what the capabilities are. And so if they're running out there and trying to, uh, you know, ascertain if something is working properly or not, um, they might run into a world of hurt when they realize, Hey, this doesn't seem to work. And maybe that capability is not supposed to be out there. Or maybe it's not fully baked, or maybe it's a placeholder. I don't know. Do you remember? Ah, you don't remember this. Maybe you do. Uh, Some of the 2010, maybe, uh, SharePoint 2010 public beta, when it came out, um, there were buttons on there that were blank. Do you remember that? Yeah. So uh, have you run through a 2016 install yet? I can neither confirm nor deny that. All right. Uh, have you run through a 2016 IT preview install yet? I can neither confirm nor deny that. Uh, yeah, so I pulled down the bits uh, on... Oh man, the people in the hotel probably hated me. Uh, I pulled down the bits overnight on Monday night and got up ridiculously early and took a walk around Boston and then threw the bits into a VM and had a go at it. It was, uh, was what it was. Yeah, so it's missing some things like you said. Uh, But I found the product team has been a little bit better this time about putting out some information about it. So there's a couple of articles that sit out on TechNet right now uh, that folks might want to take a look at. So 
Uh, one of the really important ones is uh, what's been deprecated or removed from SharePoint 2016 IT preview. Uh, so that can be kind of important just to sit, take a step back and figure out, uh, you know, do I actually want to do this? Uh, you know, like you said, uh, is there some piece of functionality that's gone? So, um, you know, that article leads right off with, hey, we got rid of SharePoint Foundation. It doesn't exist anymore. Uh, if you want Foundation, then stick with 2013. Or if you're on 2010 today, then go to Foundation 2013 because uh, that's still around. But, you know, they haven't made that decision yet. Uh, and there's some other things that have just kind of gone away, right? So if you're a shop that relied on some things uh, that were built into SharePoint in the past, like Excel services, uh, that's all going to be coming over to the Office Online server, which has not been released yet either. So, you know, you might be looking for functionality that doesn't exist because uh, the other preview bits for some other product are not available today. Um, and then because, you know, this, I, I think some of this is, you know, hey, it was based on uh, Office 365. So uh, some things have gone away in Office 365 or gone the way of the Dodo over the last couple of years. Uh, so like one of those was the deprecation of tags and notes or really the, hey, we're ripping your tags and notes away. And all of that stuff is gone in the IT uh, preview as well. So uh, that's one article that people would probably want to take a look at and just take a step through and say, you know, hey, is it here today? Uh, no. Is it going to be there tomorrow? Maybe within some other product. So, you know, very similar to that uh, uh, Excel services going over to the Office online server. And then the other article that folks can take a look at is the known issues in the IT server or the SharePoint Server 2016 IT preview because it's not enough of a tongue twister as it is. So uh, that's another great article for everybody to go through. So like you said, you know, uh, go ahead and just run through the installer, which really hasn't changed that much. There's a couple new things in there. You know, we... Uh, it's got minerals know, to, all over it, though, Scott. Yeah, we get to see mineral and things like that, at least as far as a radio button in the installer. And, um, oh, I meant more and like Amethyst, but yeah. 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 Uh, um, uh, but, you know, if folks went and read uh, things like that known issues article, uh, they would get to see that uh, mineral tends to break with things like search. So if you wanted to try out some of those new search capabilities, uh, yeah, you might want to be really careful with how you go ahead and put mineral out there uh, and do some of those uh, bits and pieces as you're turning things on and uh, turning things off. Um, one of the other interesting ones that sits out there in the known issues is there's a pretty big bug with user permissions. I'm, I'm reading that right now and I'm laughing. Yeah, that, that, that's a hilarious one, right? So if a user is not given permissions to a top-level site collection but is given permission to a path-based site collection, so basically they don't have access to the root web within whatever, you know, you, you have a path-based web app and it has a root site collection just sitting at slash and, and, and that's it. So if you don't give the user access to that, you give them access to a sub-site collection, uh, they're going to receive multiple authentication prompts, which is awesome because technically auth 
authentication should just come for the web app, right? Like SharePoint doesn't do authentication. It just does authorization. So that they must have broke something pretty good there to, to make that happen. But also the fact that it's two different site collections. It's not even the same site collection. Right. Two site collections, one web app. And uh, for some reason, you're going to get multiple authentication prompts. So, uh, you know, again, I, I'd fall back to mm, SharePoint doesn't do authentication. So they broke something pretty good there. Um, so that's a known issue in the IT preview. And folks might want to be aware of things like that, right? Uh, what are some other big ones in there? So uh, there's no product catalog site template in from central admin. So if you wanted to play around and see if anything had changed there, which it doesn't look like too much has, uh, you're just going to have to go ahead and spin that up from PowerShell, uh, you know, and hopefully everybody's familiar with PowerShell by now and being able to do all that good stuff. Uh, and then the other big thing is all that Excel stuff that's missing. So it has just gone away and it is not there and it will someday be a part of this office online server preview whenever that is released. I think I like the, uh, the thing that probably makes Todd Clint cry at night. Which one? Legacy view auditing? No, no. Standalone install option removed from setup program. Yeah, no kittens are going to die. Uh, but you know, this is kind of, uh, you know, it's a verbiage thing. So, Hey, we removed the standalone option, but we're going to leave the single server farm option, which at the end of the day, you know, standalone could have been nice for some folks, I guess. I, I don't know. I never really encouraged anybody to do it because it was doing, uh, you know, those SQL express kind of things and, and whatever, you know, black magic they had going on in the background. Uh, and you know, Hey, now you have to spin up your own SQL server. Well, most of us have been doing that the whole time anyway, even on our all in one installs. So it's not that different, hopefully than what folks have been doing the whole time. Yeah, I guess, uh, my laugh and all this still though, is just the fact that like you just said about the SQL server express, you, when you use this option, you must install SQL server yourself and then run SharePoint 2016. Uh, I have to have a SQL license now. Oh. Yeah, but it's just MSDN. I mean, you'll figure that part out, right? Well, yeah, but it's still just kind of funny. Um, so yeah, there's there is uh just a little bit in the known issues. Um, it's pretty big though. I mean, if you think about it, uh, I think somebody posted up on Twitter the other day. This is the biggest thing, and I just kind of laughed. I was like, really? Is this the biggest thing? No, not really. You know, it was the day the web shouted out and then everybody went silent and cried a little bit and said, really, this is, this is what we got. Um, yeah, I will say that, you know, at least in some regard, um, at least they are continuing to fine tune the product and they're doing what they said they do. They'd push back, uh, capabilities that they'd been working on in the cloud and push them back down to on-prem. So I'm, I'm proud of them for doing that. But, uh, yeah, there's still just a couple things that are quirky. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, so, so back to the vein of that original question of, uh, should folks install it or, you know, maybe wait a little bit. Uh, you know, there's some arguments to be made for just waiting and consuming some of this documentation that's out there, right? So, so some of these things we've talked about, like the 
the known issues list or the deprecated features, those are pretty quick to go through. Uh, the product group put out a bunch of other stuff as part of this announcement. So uh, they actually went ahead and wrote a couple of quick uh, white papers and uh, slicks or marketing like data sheets for some of this stuff. So there's an IT preview data sheet, which gives you, hey, here's an overview. Here's what you need from a uh, server resource perspective and consumption and everything else. Uh, there's actually an IT preview uh, quick start guide, which hopefully can just get folks up and running and say, uh, you know, again, yes, here's the number of servers I need based on what I want to do. Um, you know, I really do need to give that server 20 gigs of RAM, that kind of thing. Uh, oh, hey, look, I, you know, like you said, I'm not running SQL Foundation. I need to run SQL over here. So let me think about what that means with spinning up a new SQL server and things like that. Uh, one of the other really interesting ones they put out uh, on top of, you know, some of that documentation was... Uh, they released a reviewer guide, which talks about a bunch of the newer features that they've gone ahead and laid in there. So, uh, you know, it continues down that path of uh, selling the story of how this is a, a quote unquote cloud inspired release. Right. So this is Office 365 coming back to on prem. And what that means for us as on-premises consumers of technology. So that should buy us some things like performance and scale. Uh, it should allow us to gain some agility or flexibility within deployments, right? That's what Minroll is all about. Uh, and then let's go ahead and empower end users while still being able to manage risk, uh, complexity, cost, all those kind of things. So they have this actual, uh, you know, it's a 18, 17, 18 page white paper just for uh, IT pros to kind of go through or anybody who's interested in what are the things that we changed or what's the direction or where we see things going. And it talks about all of the new features that are in there. So whether that's things like, uh, you know, the, the simple sharing features, right? So being able to take a document in OneDrive and just share it out with anybody. And, you know, then all of a sudden we're in fine grained permissions land and we broke inheritance and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, now that's all, you know, rather than saying, hey, let's worry about fine grained permissions, we're just going to call it simple sharing and we're not going to worry about performance impacts anymore. Uh, large file support. So now we have the ability to go up to 10 gigs for a single file upload, right? Yeah, that makes everybody really happy. You know, I personally can't wait until everybody's slamming 10 gig ISOs into SharePoint sites. I mean, that just sounds awesome. So up at uh, TechCon, there was actually somebody that I mentioned that to, um, primarily because they announced they'd be doing that for OneDrive for Business back at Ignite. And he actually said, he was like, yeah, um, there, we, we do have a need for that. Uh, it's primarily because we store CAD drawings up in SharePoint. And I just kind of, I giggled a little to myself because I said to myself, why are you storing CAD files up there? Right. Uh, what, what is the possible valid use case for storing a CAD file, especially in SharePoint online where, you know, OneDrive for business manipulates your actual document a little bit sometimes, right? It doesn't always leave it as a clean, like one for one binary transfer. So 
uh, yeah, they might want to be careful with things like that because it's not, might not work out that great in the end. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, that's neither here nor there. Uh, what else do we got? Uh, durable links, right? So, uh, you know, I think you mentioned this before I hit the record button on my end, or maybe not. Uh, but now we have the ability to set one link to rule them all, uh, which, uh, is it Trevor Seward? Are, are you familiar with his blog, the sharepointfarm.com? Uh, yeah, I, I go milk that thing for all it's worth. Yep. So, so he wrote an article or he's been posting a bunch about 2016 and, and he put one up there about durable links, uh, which quasi work right now. Uh, kind of, sort of, maybe. Uh, but really what we're waiting for is that Office Online Server 2016 beast to come along. And then hopefully we'll have some full support for uh, some of that stuff. So, you know, back to the guide. It walks through all these different bits and pieces and provides basically a quick marketing blurb about each one and here's what it is here's what it does maybe you want to show that to uh you know decision makers within your organization or somebody who's saying uh you know why should we be thinking about going to this release because all i saw was a keynote from sp TechCon with mark cashman uh playing around with the word hybrid instead of hybrid and, you know, maybe there's some other things back there that need to happen. And, you know, hopefully they're not too sour. They didn't win a Braves hat and get to sit in the back of the room. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think one thing just to keep in mind, though, is a lot of the functionality that uh, we have in 2013 um, doesn't really change in 2016. There are a lot of newbie little things here and there and a lot of things that are enhanced, I guess you could call it. But, uh, I think, you know, for some of the things that some folks were really hoping would, uh, be awesome sauce, um, aren't going to be there for at least another couple iterations. Yeah. Well, really the nice thing about this is there should be no surprises as long as folks are familiar with office 365. So if they've gone down that path and they've taken a look at the capabilities in Office 365, or if they've been doing those deployments already, there really isn't much here that's going to jump out at you and you're going to say, oh, I've never seen that before, because you really have seen it all before, uh, with the exception of some of the hybrid capabilities, which really aren't even online yet. Uh, you know, it's... It, all that stuff exists there today. So things like simple file sharing or large file uploads or, uh, uh, you know, a, a bunch of this other stuff, it, it it's all there today. So, you know, you know, you can make the argument if you don't want to go ahead and install the IT preview because you think the, the bits are what they are, then heck, just go spin up a trial of an Office 365 tenancy with SPO and have a go at it there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, speaking of hybrid, dun, 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 uh, you just mentioned Office 365. No, I didn't. Well, you did a couple minutes ago. Uh, uh, I, I, I guess. I'll, I'll let you get away with it. Uh, right. You, you, you oh, want to talk so, about that new site, huh? Yeah, new marketing site. Uh, so there's a new marketing site out there, hybrid.office.com. 
which again talks through some of the high level points of why you potentially want to go hybrid. Um, so it uh, isn't too earth shattering. It's you know a nicely laid out website that has some neat little div tags in there that with some JavaScript to allow it to expand and contract depending on how you mouse over. Uh, but it, uh, it's kind of funny at the very bottom. It says, go try office 365. So yeah, <laughs> yep, yep. that's not hybrid. That's just office 365 software as a service. So if you do scroll all the way to the bottom, the graphic above is stay tuned soon. Hybrid.office.com will be the home to all things hybrid. So soon it will be, but today it is not. Uh, so, you know, folks should definitely probably go and give that one a bookmark and uh, figure it out. But mm, there's not too much there today because it's really a pretty landing page. So if you click on Get Started Now with Office 365, it doesn't even take you to office365.com. Nope. It takes you to success.office.com. Yes. Well, you know, because you're going to hit the deployment center and you're going to need to know what you need to know. So uh, what do I need to know? You work for a Microsoft partner. Maybe somebody will find you through here. They'll say, hey, give me a fast track deployment. And, you know, everybody wins. Why send folks to the buy screen? That doesn't make any sense. I guess they are trying to be a little bit more touchy-feely about this now, aren't they? Just a little bit, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that means lots of pretty images and links that go in a very circular fashion all the time. So TechNet will flow right into this at some point, I'm sure. Sweet. Yeah. Speaking of things flowing, how do you feel about uh, Tropical Storm Erica? Mm, I'm not going to worry too much about it. So, uh, you know, apparently like 85 mile an hour winds are just, you know, an everyday thing. Uh, The kids are going to keep going to school and that'll be that. I'll just be walking to the bus stop in a hurricane. Nope. No worries. Okay. Pretty easy. Yeah, cool. yeah we, we asked about that one, and everybody was like, uh, yeah, you know, it's just wind. Whatever. A little bit of rain. A little more than usual. Who cares? <laughs> Great. Uh, it's, it's, it's a typhoon. Let's not. Uh, oh, no, it's not a typhoon. It's just a hurricane. Oh, great. And, and wait, they're the same thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right, just want to make sure you're prepared. Yep, no, I'm I'm totally prepared. And if it looks like it's going to get really bad, I figure I'll just drive up to DC and do some client work up there and escape. Escape. Escape indeed. Yep. Um okay, so back to the other stuff. Um Yeah, so a lot of stuff about uh, good old Office 365. And mostly SharePoint 2016. Um, client access licenses for Office 365. I feel like we read this story a long time ago where if you bought SharePoint Server 2013 and you bought Software Assurance, then you effectively got unlimited external licenses. And they kind of said, you know what? Office 365, we've got CALs. Uh, we also have this thing called PALS. You can have up to 3,000 PALS partner access licenses. And then when they made that announcement about SharePoint 2013 with Software Assurance, they just said, you know what, Office 365, have as many PALS as you want. They're free. So what's changed in the world of Office 365 licensing? Absolutely nothing. So okay. if you look at that article in the show notes, if you pulled it up, yep. 
and it's called the Licensing How-To Using Office 365 Licenses to Meet Cal Requirements. And then right below that is a date of... Uh, yeah, it's October 10th, 2013, 10 a.m. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it was funny. This was going around on Twitter today, and it always comes up in conversations with clients of how do we mm, mitigate or lower our surface area for uh, client access licenses and costs. And, you know, hey, if I deploy SharePoint on-premises... Uh, what does that mean if I have Office 365? Do I need to do a license? What kind of a cal does that get me? Everything else. So, uh, you know, I thought it would be helpful to include this and throw that back out there since it was making the go around and refresh people's memories that if they have Office 365 licenses, depending on the plan they have, uh, that will map back in one way or to another to functionality in an on-premises product. So, if you have something like in E3 or in E5, uh, that effectively maps back to a SharePoint server enterprise cal, a link server enterprise cal, and an exchange server enterprise cal, right? No? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's totally right. You just you put me to sleep almost for this. Uh, no, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny reading through these and, remembering oh yeah you, you've got dual rights hmm. yeah uh you know i know this one comes up all the time or at least uh i hear it a lot of uh you, you know why do we have to pay for things twice um you, you really don't you're only paying for it once and you're probably getting away a lot cheaper because uh yeah guess what you're you're, you're not paying for that cal on both sides uh so you still do have to do all those things on premises like you have to pay for your windows server licensing and your uh, whatever office server licensing, whether that's SharePoint or Exchange or Link or Skype for Business or, uh, you know, peanut butter and jelly bread server for business, you know, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, but your users are going to be covered from a Cal perspective. Well, well, maybe. Because we have to remember that it depends on how their licensing contract was written. Nobody buys this stuff through VL anymore. It's all open and select. I don't know, man. I, there, there are still some folks that still buy through VL. Ah, they're weird. They must have a bunch of users or something. Yeah, I mean, so it is kind of funny, though. They have a little disclosure at the very bottom that says, this is one scenario in licensing situation. Each customer scenario can vary by deployment, usage, product version, and product use rights. Always check your contract and your current product use rights document to confirm how your environment should be fully licensed. Yes. Is your pure pure? The blogging team does not warrant that this scenario will be the right licensing solution for other similar cases. Thanks, Sherlock. You're welcome. Uh, was, was that your best Benedict Cumberpatch? No. And, you know, people just keep screwing up his name and they can't know if it's Cumberbatch or Cumberpatch or Cumbermatch. I go with Cumberpatch because uh, I like Patch Adams. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. See, now you got a little insight into the way my brain works and it hurts um, for everyone. Yes, it does. Almost hurts as much as when uh SharePoint server 2013 doesn't install all the binaries after I run the windows update or the cumulative update. 
Yes. Now, why would that happen? Because I'm using the right way of doing it, using psconfig. Uh, well, see, now there was your problem. You were doing what we've been telling everybody to do for years and years and years. And because we've been telling everybody to do that, uh, I guess we're just bad people. Yeah, I think we are bad people. But you know what? The the people that have been instigating this the longest are the ones that should be held accountable. Mm, who are those? The ones that pause IIS while they're installing their patches? You know it. <laughs> yeah, so so this is pretty interesting, right? So uh, Stefan... Uh, Gostner. Who... It, Gostner? Yeah, it's it's a double S. It's an S set. Mm, yeah, I'm not... I'm not good enough to do that. It's a, it's a German thing. Yeah. Shorthand for two S's. Oh, boy. Got to work on my linguistics. Uh, so Stefan Gossner released an article where he talked about uh, why he prefers PSConfig UI over PSConfig, uh, you know, non-UI or PSConfig EXE. And I don't know about you, but... I've always leaned towards let's installer updates and then run psconfig exe and leave it at that. So, uh, you know, in the past, the guidance was always just go ahead and install your patch, whether that was your CU service pack, whatever, and just go ahead and run it with uh, an upgrade and an in place. And you're just going to do a build to build and maybe a wait. And mm, sometimes you throw a force in there for good measure, right? Because why not? We just want to force this thing through and let it do what it needs to do. Uh, so it turns out that that actually can break some things based on the way the product team is doing stuff these days. And it breaks some things because it really only does a subset of operations that are performed when you run the full-on UI, right? So uh, it doesn't do things like uh, updating your application content or those app bin directory kind of things. And so, you know, there, there's stuff that we do when we install a farm. Like if we wanted to script a farm installation, we would say, hey, psconfig, uh, go out and provision all this stuff for me. So let's do our help collections and our services and uh, let's secure all the resources. So all the ACLs on the file system get locked down and let's do the app bin thing with application content and, uh, everything else. So, yeah. So all of a sudden the guidance now is, uh, let's not just do an upgrade and a build to build and maybe that force, but let's go ahead and have it do the application content thing. So we get the app bin. Uh, let's also have it go ahead and do install features and let's have it go back through the file system and do secure resources. So uh, I don't know about you. I was a little off put by this one. I was like, really? Cause it would have been that much harder to publish like a line to TechNet and just increase the article that had been there for years and years and years. Yeah, this one kind of bugs me. Uh, I think it's more, I'm willing to bet it's more just miscommunication between product group and product marketing, um, like engineering and whatnot. And I say that just from the aspect of uh, uh, how to put this. Yeah, you know, it's it's hard, Scott. It's hard to keep things up to date. And 
I swear there have been a couple scripts that I've seen where a cumulative update would come out and it would have that entire string of installing the help content and everything else. And it would always be, huh, maybe this one's just different than the previous ones because not all of them would always have like that string of information. Um, but I guess uh, they got enough complaints and enough problems were popping up maybe in like uh, PSS tickets or something. So premier ser- uh, support services, something you can go pay $250 for when you run into a problem with an installation. Uh, I'm willing to bet that enough people had farms that were oddly out of whack where they would have, you know, they would have run the bit installer. They would have run the upgrade uh, through the command line. And then they'd still have like a variant off of what the, uh, assembly file was supposed to be that they just said, Oh crap. Did, what does the actual documentation say? And yeah, I'm guessing Stefan probably was like, Oh man, really? We, we don't have this out there in the documents yet. Yeah, we need to get this out there, but you're right. It would have been super simple to just updated the document that's there for everything. That's that even has, you know, it's the document that says, Hey PS, when you're running a cumulative update or a patch, you need to turn search off. You need to do this. You need to do this. If they just added in that little bit of line, that would have made life a heck of a lot easier. Yeah, you know, PS config is always tough. So they haven't updated the documentation since 1983, 2010. And it's never been really good about including all of the mm, hidden parameters and some other things that are included in that executable that don't actually show up. Uh, in the official TechNet documentation. So uh, maybe Stefan will write that article someday and, and put that up. But, you know, I see folks coming to my blog, which is uh, psconfig.com. And if you look into some of the, uh, uh, some of the like web reports for that, people come in with some really weird search requests sometimes. And you're like, huh, you're trying to do what with what to the what? And uh, yeah, you know, it, it's probably an area that Microsoft could improve on just a little bit if they really wanted to. Yeah. I mean, the documentation's a lot better than it used to be, right? Absolutely. Which... Yes, for 2016, it's going to be great. I'm all on board. <laughs> It only took how many iterations? Yeah. yeah. We're totally going to see an update to the PS config command line reference for SharePoint 2010. We can only hope. Yeah. Mm, nope. Nope. You put office.16 in and it still comes back with SharePoint server 2010. So totally the same. No worries there. Well, I mean, on the, on the plus side of things, uh, at least it's actually showing the 2010 material when you do a search. Cause usually when you do a search for 2010 material, you get 2013 or 2007 and you have to act the URL. Yeah. You know, I don't even bother with those little drop downs anymore. I just go straight up to the URL and start typing. Yeah, you would, you would go to where the puck is. Yeah, I've been conditioned. Mm. You don't like to do that. I mean, I figure it, yeah, I do, but it's just, it's annoying. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're no Gretzky, huh? Nope. I'm not. I, uh, you know, Gretzky was always good. He always skated to where the puck is going to be, not to where it has been. I I realize, but when they haven't made an update to the way the URL's built, it's, (laughs) yeah, you get there someday. I mean, it just wants to be a service that works. And in this case, it doesn't. Someday. 
you you just somehow you, you just keep waiting you know hang your hat up someday it'll come along and give you all the things even hoping for and wishing for and uh we'll probably never have because mm. fixing urls is hard it'll be like uh wearing a t-shirt that says say my name and shows a thing of ice cream who does that uh, shirt.woot had a t-shirt yesterday that actually did that. Hmm. I missed that one. Uh, did you? Yes. So yeah, a little, uh, dive off the rails. Um, never happens. Um, yeah. So there was a t-shirt that, uh, said quote unquote scream for me on the uh, t-shirt and it shows a little ice cream cone. Um, we'll, we'll put a link to the show notes in the uh, show notes for you so you don't smack me. Um, some other fun pop culture stuff before we go back to the technology. Uh, did you see the story about Lego signing a huge deal with the BBC to create Doctor Who sets? No, I missed this one. Oh, man. So I think this is going to be the thing that changes you, Scott. I know you're not a huge Doctor Who fan, but um, I think this is going to be the one that's actually going to help you to... Uh, Start watching Doctor Who. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, I never uh, made it past the farting pigs or whatever that was in season one. Um, so I think yeah, I think that was episode three. You really just have to watch the first three episodes and realize that they're terrible, and then move on. Yeah, no, can't do it, man. I got like Game of Thrones and other things now. It's too much. So anyway, yeah, they signed a multi-million pound deal with the BBC to create Doctor Who sets just in time for Christmas. Just in time. You know, I like when they get those things in for the holidays. Yeah, I kind of like uh be nice if they got Skylake in on the MacBook Pros. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you, you just keep holding out hope there and uh, see what happens. I can dream. This is true. Oh, no. Oh no, we've gone off the rails. You know, you've been editing the show notes and I've been editing the show notes and now Outlook has, ooh, not Outlook, OneNote. Oh no, oh no, mm-hmm. uh, oh, mm. this isn't good, Dan. Oh, this is bad. No, you're killing me. So for those that uh, are still listening. Um, you broke it. Uh, I'm going to blame you. I, I didn't break I didn't break it. You did. I try and put the notes in order and you're putting them all out of order. So, mm, oh, yeah, look at this. Oh, oh, see, you got the shirt after the Legos. I'm just going to delete some stuff, move some stuff down here. I'm going to go. Yeah. So that. I'm going to take that. I'm going to move that. Basically, the, uh, there we the go. rule of the game is. Uh, Scott wins. Well, in this case, yes, Scott does win. And I'm actually going to restart one note. So. <laughs> I don't know what you wanted to talk about next, but feel free. Uh, you know, by the time you restart, I think we'll be just about done anyway. Uh, one more thing, if you're up for it. So Andrew Connell posted. Uh, I know that guy. Yeah. So he caused a bit of a kerfuffle. Uh, <gasps> yes. Yes. A kerfuffle. And I want to use that in the title this week just because it's such a fun word. Uh, so he posted an article on his blog where he talked about, uh, SharePoint not being a platform and SharePoint being a service and had some 
pretty good points in there, uh, you know, about ways that we might have interacted with SharePoint in the past and maybe some ways that we want to think about interacting with uh, SharePoint in the future. So, you know, in the past, if you were on premises, you probably just thought about SharePoint as mm, something that you could really just hack to all get up and write whatever you wanted on it. And hey, it was just .NET, right? So let's go ahead and deploy whatever we want. And you know, I'm, I know I'm really not supposed to edit this file in this hive thing, but whatever, I'm going to do that because, you know, I'm one of the cool kids and, and I can make that thing happen. And you know, that's led to a couple of problems over the years. I know you've had to do a couple of migrations and upgrades and things like that here and there. And Mm, I've run into a few of those myself where, you know, they're, they're just painful and everybody hurts and everybody feels it and it sucks, you know, staying up until 2 a.m. on a weekend and saying, yeah, hey, we're going to move your site collection, uh, Mr. CEO, because we realize that your developers weren't the greatest, but yeah, we're, we're, we're going to make this work for you. We're, we're going to get you over to the other side. Um, so, AC went through and he wrote this article about, uh, hey, let's think about the way that Microsoft is treating this, especially when we look at some of their SaaS products and what this means as things like SharePoint 2016 come out and we're getting more of the SaaS kind of features back on premises. So we've seen them out in Office 365 for a long time. Now they're coming back to on-prem. And and what does that mean? So, uh, you know, if you look at tooling like Office 365, clearly Microsoft wants Office to be a surf, uh, to be a service, right? So uh, whether that's the Office clients or it's the server stack, and that just doesn't have to be SPO. That could include Exchange Online or Skype for Business or anything else. Uh, you know, Microsoft wants the recurring revenue from that. And, you know, it's it's nice to be able to sell a SaaS product and iterate as you need to and uh, get security fixes in and make sure everybody's always on the latest and greatest version. So what happens when you try and mash that old model of I'm just going to dev the heck out of this thing because I can. And now Microsoft won't let me dev the heck out of this thing because uh, Microsoft is actually trying to sell me a service. And there's a bunch of different ways to get around that, right? So you can either complain and say, "Mm, I can't do all the same things that I could do in the past. Or you can think about, "Mm, you know, here's how maybe I should have, I should change here. I, I know I did things in the past. And I did them the wrong way. And maybe there's a better way to do that. So what's the better way to do that? You know, is something like SharePoint online, a storage mechanism? Is it used for like document storage or do I use CRM online or, you know, whatever, uh, something like that. Uh, but really, you know, I, I read the article and I thought, you know, well, you know, if somebody like Microsoft doesn't want your customizations inside the core, which they don't, right? Like they, they don't want you deploying things to the hive and uh, mucking with uh, custom DLLs and, and app bins and things like that. Like it's just, it's too much. It touches too much. It breaks too much. Uh, it doesn't mean that you still can't use this stack for 
uh, other things, whether that's uh, storage. So, you know, again, I, I, I have a, a list that I need to track or I have documents that I need to upload. Maybe you want to do things like data aggregation. So there's some really awesome BI services that are built in and they have some pretty cool uh, APIs and everything else. Or you just want to use it as a display mechanism. So there's something to be said for having that common UI across everything. So again, let's treat the back end uh, of SharePoint as a data storage mechanism. And let's rely on the UI on top of that to be a standardized kind of thing across the board. So, uh, you know, I really liked AC's take on it where, you know, it's just not worth the effort of trying to break SharePoint and bend it to your will. Uh, instead of bending it to your will, let's think about all the other things that we can do outside of that. So, uh, you know, one of the things that I think quite a few folks are proponents of, and it doesn't seem to be out there a whole lot, is let's build applications on the side of SharePoint. So for things like Office 365 or like SPO, uh, we have all these app principles in Azure AD, right? So if I can build an application in Azure AD and just register it there, well, now I really don't need to have a SharePoint hosted app or a traditional provider hosted app. I don't need to adopt any of the SharePoint infrastructure because I'm just going to get uh, permissions for my application from that application principle. So I can do everything in standard web devy ways and not really have to worry about all the stuff that's going to change on the back end of SharePoint, because at the end of the day, you might be using like CSOM and some REST calls or some other things, but you're just going to talk to Azure AD for things like your auth tokens and everything else, which is nice and standard and uh, does what it needs to do. So, you know, I can be all on board with this as an IT pro and let's say, let's let the server stack just go ahead and perform the functions it needs to, right? Uh, we ultimately, we need these systems to be performant and to do their jobs and get by without shutting down every three hours because, uh, you know, a developer needed to deploy a new WISP and that caused an IAS reset, right? So stuff like that can be pretty error prone. It can break backups. It can break just flow. It can disrupt a user's day. Uh, whatever it is, and you know, maybe we can educate developers that there's ways to build things on the side and continue to access these APIs and get it uh, very much the same functionality they've been getting it in the past, but they have to think about it in a wholesale different way. Is that so? That's it. Hmm. No. Well, for once, I'll agree with you. Um, I really do, uh, I guess, uh, I don't think it was so much a kerfuffle. I think it's just a lot of people look to Andrew as being kind of the person that uh, has tried to maybe not, uh, yeah, I don't know, not really go up too much against Microsoft or maybe against the community. I, I don't know. I get I guess I just, uh, I see a lot of this as being kind of funny because the mantra that Microsoft has been talking about for maybe the past year, uh, has been experiences, experiences, experiences. And while you have the office 365 platform in the cloud, which started off as business productivity office services, 
or online services, and it had you know the three spokes: Exchange, Link, and SharePoint. Um, they've started doing things more recently where they take little bits and pieces of the three services plus their outgrowths, like OneDrive for Business, and start building experiences on top of them, like groups um, or. Uh, I don't know if you watched the WPC uh, kickoff where they used services from Office 365 in conjunction with CRM Online to do what they called Gig Jam, which was pretty nifty. Um, so I think you know there's there's the idea, and I agree. It's you know SharePoint isn't a platform; it's a service at this point. Um, you have the API; you can make use of the service. It's a service development platform, maybe. Uh, um, but, you know, it's it's there. It's what it is. And unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, Microsoft's protecting us from ourselves of trying to do a little too much to destroy the platform they intended for us to be able to use. Because, I mean, you just said it. You know, we've done migrations in the past, and those migrations have been fairly painful when we go down the path of having to do an upgrade and we go, Oh my gosh, how much cruft is here on the sides of this thing? And a kerfuffle is, you know, kind of instantiated because folks want to continue to have the functionality that they've had because they used a crowbar to hack the crap out of their SharePoint environment or any environment for that matter. Um, but now they're, wanting to get the latest and greatest and they can't. So I agree. I mean, I think, uh, developers do need to realize, Hey, it is a, it is a service you're consuming and you're making use of. If you were using Dropbox, for instance, yes, you might learn how, I don't know, you might run your own Perl scripts or something to, uh, you know, push files into Dropbox some special clever way. But in all reality, if you're going to develop apps on top of it, you're going to do it through the published APIs. One can always hope we use the published APIs. Yeah, or the unpublished APIs. Yeah, that's what ILSpy is for. Mm. No? All right, man. Well, you know, I think we've been on enough of a rant here and we're coming up on time anyway. So I think that's a good place to close out. (laughs) 